Welcome to the Roz Project Overdrive, an extension of the Roz Project Live that airs every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and audio and video on Facebook Live, Periscope, Twitch, LinkedIn Live, and YouTube, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. Of course, my name is Ivan Temelkoff, and I'm your host. And today, I'm joined by Bernie Raider. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Is that correct? Well, almost like um, every English-speaking person would pronounce it. And in the place where I'm coming from, it's Raitera, but I'm, I'm used to hear it that way. <laughs> I, I apologize. I have an Eastern European name, so it's, 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 it's one of those things that I give it a good shot. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but let me tell you guys a little bit about Bernie before we start chatting. So he's an innovator, tech aficionado, and a tremendously lazy person. That is why he became an entrepreneur to help people avoid doing useless things. A payments and fintech veteran, having launched innovation all over the world, now laid him in Antarctica, still on his list, a builder and shaper who can't just accept the status quo. So he made his profession a passion because most jobs simply can't offer that. Digitization has brought us so far. And now is the time to deal with it the proper way um so bernie is the ceo of sign d where they make identities and verification human ready so bernie welcome to the show thanks ivan pleasure being here thanks awesome, for inviting man. me so let's start with you know let's talk about your background you know uh where you came from so you're you're in finland is it is it finland is that where you're from well, we also got a lot of snow and we've got um, good, you know, um, um, ski jumpers and good skiers, but it's Austria, actually. Austria. All right. <laughs> That's Austria. Right. You know what? So I'm exactly. from Eastern Europe. I, I probably should have gotten a better guess, but I don't know, for some reason, like when fintech was in your pile, I was like, Finland? I forgot <laughs> to ask what country uh, it, it was. So, um, okay, Austria, tell us a little bit about, you know, your early childhood. I mean, how did you get into entrepreneurship? Like, was there like kind of that early age interest and in entrepreneurship? Let's hear a little bit about it. Mm, yes, definitely. Definitely. I mean, I, I grew up in a small village. My father had a restaurant and um, also grandfather. And then and, and before that, it was always um, small business owners, uh, people who were employing other people, working at risk and, and, and facing those challenges, but also um, kind of seeing the benefits of that when you create something on your own and we shape something and and that, that's definitely something which which added a lot to my my attitude and also the way how, how how i deal with people how i get interest in people so this 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 is something which 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 is going through along all the things that i've done so i i most of my professional career i spent in kind of um, product related um, um innovation related uh, services and what was differentiated me for example is i always went to the user to understand what they want and this is exactly what you do also in, in in a restaurant if you if you're a waiter and you know it's it's in a family business you, you're not getting paid for all that hours that you're working so you right. you heavily rely on tips so to get a tip you have to serve properly to understand what your need is and sell them something they don't necessarily need um but um uh, this this is something which which kind of created a a will to make life more pleasant for people to understand them and to find out what is the motivation 
this pretty soon actually materialized also in together with the experience probably of, of you know um, seeing how a, a business is run and and how all those risks and the benefits mm-hmm. are, are coming in where i said mm, it, it, it created something inside me um having said that i mean i, I also started it a very typical corporate career so mm-hmm. um, um during university and i was always working and was always doing freelancing also um very very early on in my life um but my first job was a, a, a normal standard job in a, a software company. I was starting there as a software tester, then went on in, in you know, um, creating all the concepts, business requirements, and pretty soon stepped up the ladder and then, you know, leading really large um, um, commercial projects at, very, at a bloody young age. And that, that on the one hand side, of course, told me something about technology, but it, it, it also told me about hard work, how to, to really get projects done and how to get the benefits there. And this, mm-hmm. this, this kind of entrepreneurial basis that I inherited always helped me to, 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 to be um, pretty, pretty successful in those things because it's, it's not the typical things that you do if you have an entrepreneurial spirit, even if you're right. working within a company. And, you know, later on, I, 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 after that company where we spent, I don't know, five, six years, something like that, I went on to a, a credit card company. And also there, I was looking for stuff which is innovative, where can create things from scratch. So in that company, for example, I created the, the basically introduced prepaid cards, prepaid credit cards um, to, 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 to the Central European continent. And, you know, it, is, mm-hmm. it has been a, a, a venture within the company. But this is, is something which, which continued also when, when I was working at Western Union, for example, created a B2B business right from scratch within nine months, full-fledged uh, companies like Google, Bivin, and, and uh, International Criminal Court. And, it, and that was always the, the, the wish to, to create something, the wish to set something up. But it was always all, the, all those you know, boundaries that you have in, in, within the company, which is also, when those boundaries really kick in, that was usually when I, I, I kind of fought on. But at some point of time, I just said, okay, let's also move on. Let's move on. And it was, yeah. was at that time, you know, looking, well, what can I do? I wanted to, you know, the, the, there was a pressure to, to do something, create something, do something on your own. I was jumping to, to the next job, then, then I moved to the UK, um, working for a startup. And I said, okay, let's work for a startup at least. And I right. said, okay, screw it all. And uh, more than 10 years ago, I just said, okay, let's, 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 let's start off with something where I, I can define what I'm doing. I can select the project, start it off with some consulting, which I did for quite some time. Um, always innovation consulting and, and, and creating new business lines, sometimes for small companies, sometimes for mm-hmm. large multinationals, mobile payment systems on, on three different continents. Really, really amazing stuff. And I also got fed up with that at some point of time because you're, you're still creating something for somebody else, which is sometimes really, really cool and it helps people. Right. But, you know, and then I, I just said, all right, so, so now is the time. I've, I found my niche. I found the idea. And I just I said, okay, let's scrap all of that, what I've done, stop the consulting business, focused full time on that, took all my savings and said, okay, let's, let's go into that and create something which, is, which, which I really, really believe in, which really can help people. And that's, that was the starting point of Sandy, actually. Yeah. 
So uh, first of all, I have to say that your English is is amazing. Um, I think, you know, being from Austria, obviously, and me being a, a fellow Eastern European, you know, it's um, I, I know what it took to go through that. But you, you've had a lot of experience, you know, uh, you've worked in the UK and, you know, you've had a lot of interaction. So it was almost a necessity, which I think, you know, nowadays you have to know English. You know, it's the global language you know, that everybody speaks, whether it's the UK English or the American English, but uh, you've been able to master that very well. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because I know the communication is a big, big essential because communication solves problems. So being able to speak, you know, on a global stage, a global language, you know, is extremely important, you know, to be able to, to, um, you know, break through. Uh, something interesting you said about entrepreneurship, and I always ask about the stories because I'm curious, especially coming from Austria, like, you know, starting out, you said, you know, your father had a restaurant, which was really interesting. And, uh, you know, I can kind of resonate with that a little bit because my father is an entrepreneur as well. And I remember nice. kind of like the early days of like entrepreneurial signs also. And then you were kind of speaking on that as well when you said, you know, like, you work for these companies and you enjoy what you were doing. Then you went into the startup community, but there was always like this fire, like almost this burning fire to build something of your own, something that you would be extremely passionate about, you know, something that, you know, you would wake up excited to every day. I mean, let's face it. I mean, waking up to, you know, doing the job like a typical nine to five is exciting for a lot of people because they know what, what they're going to be doing every day. But the entrepreneur, it's almost unpredictable. Like you've got a vision for what you're striving towards, but that vision could take, you know, three, five, 10, 20, 30 years to execute. And so it's a long game. It's a long game as a fellow entrepreneur, you know, you, you were, you talked about that and I admire that because I know what the long game is, you know, and it's, let's just say that it's risky. You know, there's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of setbacks and, you know, it really differentiates, you know, from country to country worldwide too, because, because of economics and resources also, you know, so I definitely admire that, you know, that, that, you know, you've had that entrepreneur and you still have that entrepreneurial fire to where you're excited about what you do because i think as an entrepreneur you need to be excited about what you do excited to the point to where you love it you know it's the the thing that drives you you know whether it's just a passion or there's a why and a purpose behind it because that's one thing for me personally is and i know we talked about this before we hit record is we're both fathers ironically enough both of our kids are the same age and boy and girl but you know, uh, that's a why for me, you know, because when I look at that, it's like, how can I build a better future for my kids with more opportunities and accessibility that I did not have growing up? I mean, let's face it. I grew up in a former communist country until the age of nine, you know, so we, we, we didn't have anything. And then, you know, immigrating to refugee camp and coming to the United States in 1994, I was 14 years old at the time. That was 26 years ago. And so I can resonate with a lot of those struggles, you know, going through those challenges from an entrepreneurial standpoint. And uh, very much like you, I think it was a very early age on the playground in, the, in my grandmother's small village of 500 people riding my bike till 10 o'clock at night and making bad deals with kids that I probably shouldn't associate with, you know. 
And I think that was probably one of the early beginnings. So um, let's talk a little bit about like sign D. Tell us a little bit about sign D. What do you guys do? And, you know, how do you help other businesses and entrepreneurs with what you do? Sure. Happy to do so. Um, so let's, let's call sign D a, a company that understands technology and makes it easy. So we're, we're in the business of identifying people for the sake of, of um, KYC, bank onboarding. So very, very boring stuff in reality. And um, it's uh, personally, I'm coming mostly, mostly from the payments industry. So there's, there's something which is, is very, very often quoted, like the next big innovation in, in payments is actually to make payments redundant. Just like Uber is doing that, make the payment itself invisible right. because people want to go from A to B. That's the only thing they want to do. They don't want to pay. So the, the right innovation in payment is to get rid of it, or at least to get rid of the, the, the act of payment. And we're doing a very similar thing for the onboarding, because if I want a bank account, I'm not interested in doing a video identification. I'm not interested in going to a bank branch. I'm not interested in doing all of those you know, form fillings and stuff like that. And what we do at, at SignD is to make that process, that journey seamless. So as fast as possible, as automated as possible, and with as little clicks as possible. Because the technology is there, the process just needs to be implemented. And um, of course, there's, there's a lot of things. A, a, a bank account is not like, like you know, buying sweets at the corner shop. There, yeah. there is a certain due diligence which is required, and we created all the know-how and the technologies that are um, able to meet that for our clients, which are then the banks or the telecom operators, travel operators, whatever it is. But we just package that in a way so that it's super easy for the consumers and it's um, um, no hurdles, especially, um, mm -hmm. while it's still very, very compliant and, and, and hit, ticks all the boxes for our clients. You know, um, one thing that you mentioned that I wanted to allude to is you talked about how uh, Uber has made it so seamless. In fact, I'm traveling to Houston for a, for a client this week and uh, well, later this week into next week. And uh, that's literally what I ordered Uber from my house to the airport. And, um, you know, set aside the, the Uber drama and bullshit that went down with their yeah. CEO you know, uh, they truly do have accessible technology. And, um, you know, so 2020 was, you know, the COVID year, they'll be remembered, at least for most for, you know, millenniums, probably, you know, it was the one year that, you know, really changed humanity in a lot of ways. It changed the way business was done. Yeah. And um, Amazon was one of the companies that, and believe it or not, they opened up a ginormous warehouse 15 minutes away from my house that is probably employing close to 100,000 people, I would say, 50,000 at the very least. It's huge. It's like two, 300,000 square feet. It's ginormous. You can see it off Crazy. the highway. But here's what Amazon did. You know, they so as you know, as an entrepreneur, where there's a problem, a solution awaits. You just need to figure out how to create that solution and by the way, the bigger the problem, the bigger the solution. So <laughs> a lot of people bashed on Bezos for becoming, well, last year until Elon Musk just surpassed him by a billion. You know, he was uh, the world's wealthiest person. I think 186 billion net worth or something like that, or 185 billion, because now Musk is at 186 billion after the Tesla stock jumped. 
by a billion, right? You know, it's only a billion. Oh, come <laughs> on, who cares? <laughs> who cares? It's only a billion, right? But here's what Amazon actually did. And I think you were speaking to this is human beings appreciate convenience and accessibility, believe it or not. And it's actually kind of frightening in a way because what happened last year is, and so Amazon is accessible just about everywhere in the United States. And in fact, well, you being in uh, Austria, I'm, I actually had a cousin who lived in Germany and she was telling me how uh, Amazon was delivering groceries same day or not. Uh, not yeah. Amazon same day grocery delivery, which hasn't fully rolled out in the United States yet since their acquisition of Whole Foods. But here's what they did. They took COVID and they said, you know what? Most people let's r- remote work is the new standard. Just people don't want to go to an office. I mean, yes, they do, but they don't. They go because of the human interaction but they'd rather choose the accessibility and convenience to stay home and work. So I think that's changing the work environment and the culture for one. But here's what Amazon did is they figured out, you know what? Why don't we become more accessible and convenient to the consumer? So they start ordering toilet paper, sanitizer, you know, anything you can think of furniture, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, technology, you know, you can buy it from Amazon. And most people were going like, oh my God, Amazon is, is stealing from the retail industry. It's like, no, they're not. They just got more creative and figured out how to read the human mindset is what they did. And so, like you were saying, like people don't want to jump hoops through, you know, complicated payment processing. You know, like I, I know, um, I think it's, is it Chase or Capital One? Capital One has really made a huge splash with this. Exactly what you just said. You can open a Capital One account in five minutes, literally just click, 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 tap from an, from a mobile app. It's convenient. It's accessible. It's quick. And I think, you know, being an Eastern European, I remember so the last time I visited Bulgaria, believe it or not, was 2007. And I remember like the hoops I had to jump through back in the day. Like I had to call my bank and say, I'm traveling internationally. So if you see some weird charges, it's from me, you know, and nowadays it's just like people don't people just don't want to go through those hoops. You know, it's frustrating. It's challenging. It's time consuming. And the one thing that consumers value now more than ever is their time, because you'll never get that time back that you waste. And you know this in business, right? Is that If you don't value your time, someone else will value it for you. And usually they will devalue it because they don't see the value of what you bring to the table. So I want to shift the conversation, you know, more into like the payment processing and uh, specifically uh, around the fact of, you know, in 2020, when COVID hit, how did you unsign D, you know, pivot to that? Like, how, how did you accommodate? What things did you do? to be able to adapt to the changing environment? Well, I mean, the, the, the one thing is we, we are a digitization company. So um, our goal is to help, doesn't matter if it's startups, traditional companies or whoever it is, to, mm-hmm. to have remote or automated uh, onboarding processes. So that was, um, of course, a in general, a good if you can call it good, but for us, in, in terms of from business perspective, a, 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 a good change. Uh, what was not as good is that we had um, a large rollout for seven countries with um, um, physical venues, which was, um, yeah, 
supposed to happen in March, then the lockdown came. Yeah. We wanted to, to start it again in October, then the next lockdown came. <laughs> that was um, um, extremely bad because it was a, a, a super huge um, project. And we also had a, a couple of, of, of large projects with um, pretty big banks, actually insurance companies. And, and, and we, of course, were, were of the opinion. So, I mean, we're talking about an online loan application. We're talking about identification for life insurance, all of those things. So that gets additional pressure speeding up the process of, you know, implementing that. When the first bank said, um, well, during Corona, we don't have the resources to do like online onboarding. I said, wait a second. What do you mean? So you, you mean um, the people should go to your bank branch to open a loan instead of uh, going online? You, you guys serious about that? But yeah. just, I just realized, I mean, they just sent every IT person and, and half of the, 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 the staff into, into home office and they were, well, most of the time paid, but not working. So, so that was um, quite an interesting thing when we realized, all right, so they, the, the large, the big fish we were dealing with, um, they, they were just, you know, Stunned. We're just stunned and gone. I was like, all right, yeah. interesting. So what are you going to do now? And then we, we, we said, we are a digitization company. We're talking with those big fish that need us, that wanted to do with us before COVID. And now they're all pausing the project. It's a bad situation, obviously. So let's see what else we can do. So we changed geography. Right. We're focusing on, on, on um, you know, the same clients like financial institutions, telecom operators now in, in Africa or uh, starting now in, in, in Latin as well. Um, and we just realized, oh, my God, we should have done that immediately because they're faster, more professional and got more, more clients uh, uh, as well. So um, that was one thing. And we also went into into different um, industry. So um, um, sharing economy or, or, or other things, we just yeah. apply our solutions in a slightly different context because knowing a customer is of benefit for every company. It's not just to, to fulfill any compliance, right. but you, right. you, you can serve them better. You, you can, can avoid risk or, or fraud and stuff like that. And, and also that may sound a little bit weird, but by having a strong identification, you can be much more, privacy friendly from that perspective because right. you don't collect crap you know um that's an excellent point that you made and here's why i question how you sustained COVID is because i almost kind of knew that COVID was actually an opportunity for you but the challenge was is being able to entice these dinosaur organizations that were unwilling to pivot you know, and this wasn't like a complete pivot into like a different industry or even a vertical within their industry. It was a pivot of basically changing their operations is yeah. what it was. And, you know, did you and that's a really good point, because in the United States, that's little what was happening. Literally, I know several clients that we work with specifically, they just didn't want to pivot. I'm like, OK, you, have, you really have two options <laughs> is you fold or you try to sustain like it's a it's a no fucking brainer. If you ask me, you know, yeah. you want to sustain, you've got a lot invested in this. So do something, yeah. do something about it, right? Like, like change your ways. And that's a good thing because it can help position you as an authority when you're thriving during a challenging time. And in fact, I think I, we saw a lot of small businesses that actually thrive, but question I have for you, were there any regulatory things? Cause I know with digitization, it's a, it's a very, 
with like the finance space, at least in the United, in the United States, it's a very regulated space, mm-hmm. right? With like everything that's happening with Bitcoin and all of that right now, it's just like there's, there's, there's too much rumor to be, too many myths to be debunked, right? Still, I think it's very in that direction, you know, don't get me wrong. But um, did you face any challenges with like regulatory, like trying to help these organizations like really digitize? Because obviously in, in Europe, things are done significantly different, right? Well, I, I shouldn't say significantly different, but I feel like there's more hoops to jump, right? Yeah. To, to get compliance. So yeah. Did you face any compliance, any regulatory issues? And, you know, how, how did you get around those? Because I understand the convenience and accessibility. You're absolutely right. I agree with you. It's just how did you overcome those? What things did you do to be able to overcome those challenges? And dealing with regulators and compliance, um, that's kind of a, to a certain degree, that's a day-to-day job for us because um, we, we created a platform that is, you can think a little bit of like of, of, of Lego, which is saying, tell me what's your, your jurisdiction, tell me what's your use case. And we just combine those components in a way that it's compliant with law, but still very, very um, um, convenient for the consumer. Right. Um, so we, we're used to that, but the, the, the big issue um, that was happening was, was, was more like, the, the regulators were, were, they knew they had to do something. The industries were talking with those guys and they, they, they just were headless more or less. So uh, what we saw is, um, as we, we always have, have certain um, interactions with those guys, they were just not responding anymore. They just stopped communications. You, you wait for three months for, for an answer and something like that. It's like, okay, you have been really bad before, but, but what you're now doing is, is just like crazy. Yeah. And um, it's, it's a funny coincidence. I mean, yes, Europe is super fragmented. There's um, super idiotic rules out there. And it's really happening very, very often with supervision. We had with the banking crash as well. You tighten regulation. So you incentivize the regulated entities to be, and the employees in there, to be more creative in doing things in the gray area to still earn their bonuses. So tightening right. regulations usually increases fraud and, and we, see, we, we still see that all the time. And funny as it is, Europe being extremely fragmented here has, has some of the super idiotic rules of, of um, 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 adopting old law into even older regulation. <laughs> and there's, there's just a... a <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a, there's a quote of the former Vodafone um, 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 CEO or, or yeah. president. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. And he was saying, so if you digitize a shitty process, you get a shitty digital process. <laughs> right. That's true. It's absolutely That's- true. You know, and I think I was telling you this before, you know, uh, we, we had recorded that back in 2007, which was, you know, uh, 13, almost 14 years ago. When I was home in Bulgaria to visit, like, like the shit I had to go through, I had to call my bank and say, I'm going to be using my debit card. If you see some weird charges, and I think that was around the time the euro was actually coming in. If you see like some, some weird charges or something, it's me. So like I had to go through these extra, extra steps yeah. to plant or create my own security net. And as a consumer, I don't want to do that. It's time consuming to me. Like it should already be built into the technology to be intelligent enough. It's like, especially now in 2021, where like AI and and technology has evolved so much and there's the Ubers of the world. I'm like, what the hell? 
Like, if you're going to force me to do this, I'm going to go to a different bank. You know, I'm going to get a different card. Exactly. Exactly. I, I, I use that in my, my sales presentations uh, in the past, and now I'm using that again. There's, there's, there's a fantastic picture, actually. You know that 2002 man had an attention span of about 16, 17 seconds. <laughs> in, oh, wait a second, it's coming. In 2012, mm -hmm. we fell below goldfish. The goldfish has an attention span of 9.6 seconds. We had eight seconds. And it's getting better. So the millennials, so you know, generation sad and, 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 right. and, and stuff like that, we're now at 2.6 bloody seconds. So you have to sell or grab the attention of somebody within 2.6 seconds and start serving those guys. That's what's reality now. Yeah. No, I... Yes. You read what? my mind, actually. The goldfish scenario, I've told that before, actually. And some people are like, what the fuck, Ivan? Like, is this true? I'm like, no, you go do your own research because yes. being in the digital space and, and I do a lot of digital marketing with different clients, you know, I, had to ex I have to explain to them why you have to attract the consumer from multiple channels is because they get bored. Basically, in, in 2.6 seconds, they get bored. That's why you need to be doing all these different things. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot of dinosaur companies and, you know, not just in the U.S., but even in Europe that are just like, like you said, if you if you try to create a new digital process and you embrace an old shitty process, you get a shitty digital process. And you know what? There's nobody to blame but you. And I think a lot of these companies during COVID last year we're, we're trying to blame the economy. They were trying to blame yeah. the pandemic. They were trying to blame, you know, scientists. They were trying to blame. And, and let's face it, historically, putting blame on something you can't control, it's just not a smart business move, you no, know, because what you need to be doing is figuring out how to disrupt and innovate. In fact, disruption and innovation are two of the core values within my company. Because when I look at what Tesla has done, and there's actually a funny story about that because it's technology oriented, right? So uh, literally Tesla has, has their, you know, they can push the right button and put a hold on the entire automotive industry because they dominate it completely. There's, nobody's touching them. And mind you, I'm a fan of like Audi. I'm a huge Audi fan and exotic cars. And like, I'm like, yeah, they make great cars. But like, look at fucking Tesla, man. Like the, they got the automotive industry wrapped around their finger. You yeah. know, Elon Musk, you know, safe, self-made billionaire, you know, and now actually I noticed on your website that one of your employees was a former researcher at NASA. SpaceX now builds rockets for NASA. Yeah. It has been for years. So, like, let's look at history. Disruption and innovation always is a leap forward. And that's what you guys are doing with signed in. And let me tell you, I think the payment processing specifically and the transactional digitization is going to grow even more. I think we're just at the very early stages of it because mainly because let's face it, almost every consumer on the, on the face of this planet, where there's 9 billion people, I would probably say about 7 billion or 8 billion of those have a smartphone of some, some form or fashion. So what has the smartphone done? It has given us access. It has given us opportunities. But I think it's yet to evolve so much. I mean, we've seen gaming on smartphones. We've seen video on smartphones. We've seen Uber, you know, uh, uh, Uber, Uber Eats, which I tend to order once in a while. And it's, it's really about accessibility and convenience. So 
I want to shift one last question. I wanted to ask, actually ask you is the type of companies that you work with at sign D to, to partner up with and offer your, your Lego based platform. I love that analogy. Lego is because you customize it to their needs yeah. specifically, but what companies do you, do you usually partner up with, you know, to, to help them digitize, you know, their payment processing. So in terms of clients, you mean, um, it's, it's extremely broad, actually. So um, there's there's a strong focus on on regulated industries, where, for example, our biometrics or, or photo identification or or, or 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 data services are required more or less. Where it's pretty easy to to have those either compliance processes configured in a way, or or, or the payment security station and and, and those things. Um, then there's Another segment, which is basically the, the, the high-risk business. So where we're dealing with foreign exchange uh, uh, companies, money transfer businesses, um, um, gambling companies, CBD, all of those things. But there's always one inside a, a risk on the individual and risk on the payment. And, a, and that's, that's one of the things which is, is, is also um, making us different here. Because if, if you just imagine you have a CBD company, there's company uh, people from all around the world trying to, to to buy that stuff. Every person has a different risk profile, so you cannot put just a, a uniform thing on it. And right. you know, you would just filter out good customers. We also see that with our our company identification, our KYB uh, solution, um, I'm very much, which is also opening up the the next large um, um, target group that we're having, which is um, typical payment processors, acquirers who are, who are onboarding merchants and who are failing really to, 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 to onboard small merchants because the, the, the act of, of, of getting a merchant contract sometimes takes seven, eight weeks, filling out a form, getting an information trade register, um, identifying the, the, the directors, blah, 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 back and forth, forgotten form. We just automate that to, to, to the matter of, of, of two, three minutes, actually. And, okay. and that's 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 of course an amazing thing. But we're we're dealing with those money companies, but we're also dealing with the um, like um, low hurdle entry um, um, companies for for sharing economy. We just still need to know who that person may be because sometimes they're you know exchanging valuable goods through 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 Craigslist mm-hmm. or something like that, or or you know where where it provides security without infringing in privacy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's appreciate you elaborating upon that because, um, you know, I was curious with, you know, the kinds of companies that usually partner up, partner up with. And, uh, you know, I think that's probably a differentiating factor too, because you have such a, such a flexible uh, platform. And, uh, I think that's key actually, you know, nowadays, especially in payment processing, you have to be flexible, you know, you have yes. to be a modern, you have to be, you know, you have to have uh, some level of innovation, you know, that's going to create attraction for companies specifically. Um, and I think, you know, some of these bigger payment processing companies, I, I think they're actually behind the curve, if you ask me, you know, Definitely. Um, uh, I think uh, I was talking with uh, um, uh, a friend that's a software developer at MasterCard, and yeah. uh, he was telling me about, um, was it the, uh, the Face ID? technology, yeah. which um, they're working on, you know, um, uh, I think it's still in development, uh, technical, but anyway, um, we're talking about like compliance and regulatory specifically. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me how much the local 
in federal government are really regulating that because the authenticity behind it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like face ideas. You would think facial recognition, you know, with like a smartphone, like an iPhone, you know, has already been adopted because mm-hmm. let's face it, you can't duplicate the facial features of human beings unless you clone them, you know, yeah. and even then you probably can't do it, you know, and I think that's a whole different conversation, but um, I think that's what I was about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, Look, I mean, I think one day, you know, there's going to be robots doing a bunch of shit, you know, and there already is, you know, in fact, um, uh, there, what was it? The first is it in Dubai? I think it might be, might be Dubai. The first AI uh, robot that was embraced as a, a human uh, as a citizen. That's what it was as a citizen. I think. Yes. Yeah. Ava uh, uh, or something like that was her name. I read about this like a year or so ago, and it was so groundbreaking. But you know what? I think. Uh, companies when it comes to you know digitization i think they're afraid they're afraid Mm -hmm. of the evolution you know they're they're afraid of the leap of faith and i don't know if that's regulatory and compliance based or it's more about just just lack of innovation really or or lack of uh growth i don't know that's Mm -hmm. you know that's a really really good question but um I know we could chat a whole lot more about this and I appreciate you, you know, sharing so much with what you guys do at sign D, you know, sounds like you're definitely, you know, on the age of, you know, disruption and innovation and leading that next wave of, of evolution when it comes to, you know, the digitization payment processing, uh, authenticity, you know, so I'm excited about everything that you guys are doing. Congratulations, you know, on all the growth. It sounds like, like you said, you found your niche and now it's just, (laughs) like riding the wave for as long as you can. Um, Before we sign off, though, uh, let's throw out some social handles, websites, anything you can think of, you know, ways that, you know, viewers and listeners can connect with you out there in the social space. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, obviously, um, there's our website, where you can um, um, find us. Can we show that actually? Sometimes it's easier to, 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 to show them than, um, than, than um, tell them. I mean, there's... The sign, uh, sign that ID, so I'll include that in the caption, obviously, uh, of the podcast in the description. So Yeah, we can put the LinkedIn or Twitter. Mm-hmm. We can yep. follow. That's, that's always... I mean, please feel free to, to, to connect on LinkedIn. Bernhard Reiter on my name there. Bernhard Reiter one, so that's that's going to be not good to to remember. So if we can add that, that's that's fantastic. And and always open to to, to have any discussion about, um, um, you know, identity verification payments, for for small and big companies. So so definitely we're <clears throat> going to build our, our own YouTube channel as well, but that's in the making. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to feature the the, the podcast then as soon as we have that up and running. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Bernie, <laughs> I want to thank you for your time, man. I really enjoyed the conversation, you know, from one entrepreneur to another. Uh, very excited for everything that you've done and uh, uh, wishing you all the best in, in 2021. I, I think this is going to be uh, an even better year. I know 2020 was a groundbreaking year for you. So I'm excited to see what 2021 brings uh, for you and uh, your company. Thank you so much, Ivan. It was great talking to you.